The Jonathan Cruz case was hastily investigated by authorities, but many questions remain. Come behind the curtain with private investigator Sheila Wysocki as she uncovers the truth about what happened to Jonathan. This is Without Warning. Warning. The following episode contains elements that are graphic in nature. Listener discretion is advised. On this episode, I am going to discuss doing a reconstruction of Jonathan Cruz's death. In this episode, you will hear about evidence from the gunshot residue test results on both Jonathan and Brenda, and learn about the reconstruction done by private investigators using the Faro technology. On November 4th, 2018, several private investigators all met at the residence of John and Pam Cruz to reconstruct the shooting incident based entirely on the facts of the case. Investigative reports, autopsy reports, gunshot residue analysis test reports. Jonathan Cruz's old bedroom was used to reconstruct the reenactment reconstruction. Jonathan's bed frame was assembled in a spare mattress and box spring similar to Jonathan's mattress and box spring were placed on the bed frame. Using Faro laser scanner and Faro software, Jonathan's bedroom at the apartment and his bed were scanned to help create a near-exact-scale 3D animated reenactment of the likely scenario. For those that followed the Andriacchio case, we used the Faro machine and a 3D animation to reconstruct that case as well. The objective of the reenactment and reconstruction was one— could Jonathan Cruz have caused his death by self-inflicted gunshot wound to the chest using his left hand, right hand, or both hands? Suicide. Two, could Jonathan Cruz have been shot by another person? Homicide. To support the objective, a real life-size medical mannequin and live actors to reenact shooting scenarios. After conducting several scenarios, the investigators realized that the mannequin limited the ability to accurately portray realistic scenarios. Since it was not flexible as a human actor, the investigators decided to no longer use the mannequin and replace it by using human actors with the same physical stature and mobility as Jonathan Cruz. To reenact Objective 1, we used human actors to simulate reenact gunshot wound to the chest using the left hand, right hand, and gripping the handgun with both hands. To do this, we used a 9mm SIG. After each reenactment, we checked the gun over and over and over for safety purposes. So let's talk about the self-inflicted using the left hand, which would have been suicide. Jonathan Cruz was right-handed. Why would he use his left hand? The wound entrance is in a position to the left and below his left nipple. The wound characteristics reveal a contact to near contact with a one-eighth inch abrasion located at two o'clock position, one inch from the margin. What does that mean? 
The location of his abrasion likely indicates the muzzle was placed close to the skin with the guide rod causing the abrasion upon discharge of the handgun. Had Jonathan used his left hand to shoot himself, the abrasion caused by the guide rod would not have been at two o'clock position, but at a lower position such as four or five o'clock position. It is so important to note that the human actors had difficulty holding the handgun in the manner that would produce the two o'clock abrasion. Going back to the GSR test results of Jonathan Cruz, five particles of GSR were confirmed on the back of his right hand. Zero, zero particles of GSR were found on the back of his left hand. Had Jonathan used his left hand to shoot himself, it is highly probable that his left hand would have tested positive for the presence of gunshot residue. The absence of gunshot residue screams at me. When we consider the alignment of the wound and exit wound, entrance area, the conclusion was the trajectory and abrasion, the wound characteristics, do not support a left-handed, self-inflicted gunshot wound while he was in a laying-down position. Then the investigators traced the trajectory from the bullet to the final resting place. To Jonathan's exit and entrance wound, they do not support self-inflicted gunshot wound in a laying position using his left hand. It was the opinion of the investigators that Jonathan did not use his left hand to discharge the handgun into his chest, resulting in death. Scenario one is marked off. Scenario two, self-inflicted using right hand. Still suicide. Could he do it? Jonathan is right-handed. The characteristics of the wound one-eighth inch abrasion located at two o'clock position, one inch from the margin. The trajectory of the bullet was right to left. Therefore, based on the trajectory through his body, through the mattress and resting place makes it unlikely to be a self-inflicted gunshot wound to the chest using his right hand. Also, which is even more important, the gunshot residue was present on the back of his hand. The trajectory of the bullet negates any idea that he used his right hand to shoot himself. Using an actor, we revealed that it's physically impossible to manipulate the gun in the right hand to cause a self-inflicted gunshot wound to the left side of his chest with the trajectory front to back left to right while in a laying position. Tracing the trajectory from the bullet's final resting place to Jonathan's exit and entrance wound does not support a self-inflicted gunshot wound in a laying down position using his right hand. The opinion of the investigators at the time was Jonathan was right-handed the trajectory of the bullet throughout his body and the mattress and the bullet's final resting place renders it impossible for Jonathan to have used his right hand to cause a self-inflicted gunshot wound to the left side of his chest. The next scenario, could Jonathan, using left and right hand grip, causing a self-inflicted gunshot wound to the left side of his chest 
holding the handgun with both hands, the muzzle end pointed towards the chest in that fashion upon firing the gun would likely not support the trajectory of the bullet, the entry exit wound, the mattress and the resting place of the bullet. If he had shot himself while in a laying position, going back to Jonathan's gunshot residue tests, five particles of gunshot residue were confirmed on the back of his right hand. Zero particles of gunshot residue were found on the back of his left hand. Had Jonathan used both hands to hold the gun to shoot himself, it is highly probable that both hands would have tested positive for the presence of gunshot residue. Now we get into tracing the trajectory using the premise holding the handgun with both hands with muzzle end pointed towards the chest. Tracing the trajectory from the bullet's resting place to Jonathan's exit and entrance wound do not support a self-inflicted gunshot wound using both hands to hold the handgun while in a laying position. The opinion of the investigators at the time, even though Jonathan was right-handed, the trajectory of the bullet through his body and the bullet's final resting place renders it impossible for Jonathan to have used both hands to discharge his handgun. Also, Jonathan's treating physician concluded to a reasonable medical certainty that Jonathan's shoulder injury would not have permitted him to physically make the shot without an extreme amount of pain in his shoulder. And remember, while you're thinking about the different scenarios and you're running through them in your mind, this is about, allegedly, Jonathan is proving his love to Brenda, telling her and showing her how much he loves her. So the absurdity of this is in the science. While you're thinking about that, let's take a commercial break. The next scenario was Jonathan being shot by another person in the room. Homicide. Let's go through the facts. Brenda admits she was in the room and sitting on the floor at the base of the bed, facing away from Jonathan when Jonathan allegedly shot himself. We do not know if anyone else was in the room. Significant quantities of gunshot residue were found on Brenda's sweatshirt upper left and right arms, left and right sleeve cuffs, front of her sweatshirt, and both hands to include palms and backside of both hands. The presence of gunpowder residue on Brenda contradicts her statement that she was at the foot of the bed when he was shot. Science doesn't lie. The investigators used a laser pointer to recreate the possible trajectory. We worked backwards. We started from the bullet's resting place. We projected the laser towards the upper right corner of the bed, creating the reverse trajectory. Then we positioned a live actor in a near-sitting, sitting-up position, 
legs partially extended over the edge of the right side of the bed as if one were quickly rising up from a laying position. The investigators were able to place the body in a position that allowed and illustrated a near-perfect reverse trajectory of the bullet from its resting place through the mattress to the exit wound to the entrance wound and likely height representing the shooting origin. This scenario was repeated over and over and over several times and revealed the same results. Jonathan's wound path, entry and exit, coupled with the location of the bullet's resting place, are not consistent with him shooting himself with his left, right, or both hands. The reenactment revealed a highly likely scenario that he was shot by an individual who was standing immediately close to him on the right side of his bed and discharged the handgun should have been looked at by Capel Police Department as her potentially discharging a handgun. Finding gunshot residue on the back of Jonathan's right hand is to be expected if someone was shooting him at a close distance. The two o'clock abrasion on Jonathan's entrance wound is consistent with someone holding and discharging the handgun while Jonathan was sitting up in bed, may have rotated into the muzzle of the gun hand, resulting in a contact or near contact gunshot wound. It is likely that Jonathan may have been startled, which caused him to rise up in his bed. The gunshot residue on the back of his right hand could easily have resulted from him raising his hand in a defensive position or reaction. The absence of gunshot residue on his left hand could only be a result of him using his hand to help prop himself up as he was rising up from a laying down position. In this scenario, his left hand was likely shielded from being contaminated with gunshot residue. Remember, the handgun was found on the bed near his left thigh. I'm going to let you guys decide what happened. I've given you the known facts. I've given you the reconstruction reenactment scenarios. Based on the science, the trajectory, the entrance wound, the exit wound, the resting place of the gun, and the origin of the shot, I believe that Jonathan Cruz did not commit suicide. The science doesn't lie. People do. Information from the following sources used to support the shooting reconstruction. Coppell Police Department's Incident Report. Southwestern Institute of Forensic Science at Dallas, Office of the Medical Examiner, Investigation Narrative. Southwestern Institute of Forensic Science at Dallas, Office of the Medical Examiner, Autopsy Reports dated February 3, 2014 and April 16, 2014. Affidavit for search warrant and search warrant dated February 3, 2014. Return of service reference items seized pursuant to search warrant dated February 3, 2014. Southwestern Institute of Forensic Science at Dallas Trace Evidence Section Test Report. Gunshot Residue Analysis dated March 12, 2014. 
Southwestern Institute of Forensic Science at Dallas, trace evidence section, test report, range of fire analysis, affidavit to Terry Medicine, MD, board certified orthopedic surgeon dated June 14, 2018. Information provided by family regarding Jonathan being right-handed, Jonathan's use and familiarity of handguns and gun safety, Jonathan's right shoulder injury, and medical treatment several days prior to his death. These are the known facts. February 2nd, 2014, 11.45 p.m., Jonathan's time of death. Person present during events leading up to the shooting, Brenda Lazaro, ex-girlfriend of Jonathan Cruz. Brenda stated they had been together since 4 p.m. and had been arguing throughout the day about another woman, Emily. Brenda stated they did not talk much of the evening but watched TV at his apartment. He was laying in bed and she was sitting on the floor at the foot of the bed, back against the bed. According to Brenda, Jonathan tells her he loves her. She replies she loves him and brings up the issue of Emily, which upsets Jonathan. Jonathan allegedly states, baby, I love you, and I'm going to show you that I love you. Jonathan allegedly tells Brenda to cover her ears. He is so concerned about her delicate ears right before Brenda states he shoots himself. At one point, Brenda said it was an accident. If Jonathan tells her multiple times to cover her ears, doesn't that take that argument away? Brenda says she hears a gunshot and gets up to see that he has shot himself. One of the Coppell police officers told Pam Cruz that gunpowder residue is like confetti. It goes into the air and lands. He told Pam it didn't mean anything. And the fact that the gunpowder residue was on Brenda meant nothing. Think about that. Doesn't gunpowder residue say if you're standing in the bathroom? the living room, at the end of the bed? Don't you have to be close to a gun in order to have gunpowder residue on you? The absence of gunpowder residue is very significant. One of the questions that can be answered by science is, where was Brenda standing? Was she in the bathroom? Was she in the living room? Was she at the foot of the bed, as she told police? Or... Was she next to Jonathan? I'm going to pause for a moment for a commercial break. The autopsy report done by Jeffrey Bernard, MD, states the following findings. Gunshot wound of chest. Entrance left of mid-chest. Contact range of fire was soot on entrance wound. Perforation of heart, lung, liver. Path, front to back, right to left. Jeffrey Bernard was told deceased reportedly shot himself in front of a witness. He was also told magazine was unloaded from the firearm. Again, let's go back to Officer Mauer who stated he believed 
Now, listen to that. He believed this was an accidental shooting as the gun's magazine was in a drawer in a different room and thought Jonathan did not realize there was a round in the chamber. Again, that's what Officer Maurer believes without an investigation. Let's move on from Officer Maurer's opinion and go into the entrance wound. It was located in the left mid-chest, two inches left of midline. 19 inches below top of his head, soot located surrounding entrance wound, one-eighth inch abrasion is located at two o'clock position, one inch from the margin. Wound is located 2.75 inches medial to two inches below left nipple. Exit wound, right back four inches to right of midline, 20 inches below top of head. The conclusion that Dr. Jeffrey Bernard, MD, came to, quote, It is my opinion Jonathan Michael Cruz, a 27-year-old white male, died as a result of injuries sustained from a gunshot wound of the trunk, end of quote. The documentation is interesting. Initially, February 3, 2014, the manner of death was pending. April 16, 2014, the manner of death was undetermined. Think about that. Two people in the room, one person saying it's suicide, and the medical examiner comes back with undetermined. Getting on with known facts. Jonathan Cruz was right-handed. Jonathan Cruz was a gun enthusiast and received advanced firearm safety and marksmanship training. Wouldn't you think Officer Maurer should know that? Known handgun evidence. Reference search warrant dated February 3, 2014, and Capel Police Department incident report. Number one, Sig Sauer, model P226, 9mm, Luger semi-automatic, two, one spent shell casing, three, one six-hour magazine containing 17 rounds, one empty box of nine millimeter ammo, five, one bullet taken from bed frame. Known facts, clothing evidence, reference Capel Police Department incident report, black sweater, from Brenda Lazaro, one long sleeve shirt that was Jonathan Cruz, known gunshot residue evidence obtained from Brenda Lazaro, gunshot residue evidence collected kit containing sample stubs from Brenda Lazaro, sample stub from back of left hand of Brenda Lazaro, Sample stub from palm of left hand of Brenda Lazaro. Sample stub from back of right hand of Brenda Lazaro. Sample stub from palm of right hand of Brenda Lazaro. Gunshot residue results. Known facts. Gunshot residue results of Brenda Lazaro. 21 particles of primer, GSR, Confirmed on black sweater of Brenda Lazaro. Four front upper left, five front upper right, five front lower left, one front lower right, four left cuff, 
one right cuff, one right side of hood. Six particles of primer GSR confirmed on back and palm of left and right hand. One on back of left hand, on back of right hand. Three on palm of right hand. Jonathan Cruz gunshot residue evidence collection kit containing sample stubs from Jonathan Cruz. Sample stub from back of left hand of Jonathan. Sample stub from back of right hand of Jonathan. Gunshot residue results of Jonathan Cruz. Five particles of primer GSR confirmed on back of right hand. Zero particles of primer residue found on the back of left hand. Setting up a reenactment with a gun takes a lot of time and safety measures. In light of the Alec Baldwin shooting, I want to state that every single person that handled the gun used safety measures. There were no live rounds in that gun ever. The safety of everyone in that room was very important to all of us. Again, no one without gun knowledge and safety handled that gun, which makes me think Jonathan Cruz, who knew about guns and gun safety, wouldn't have mishandled his own gun. As a full-time private investigator, I am back to my 2018-2019 schedule. Hotel rooms, airports, and interviewing witnesses on other cases. Jonathan Cruz's case is going to trial in January. You can keep up with the trial information on Cold Case Jonathan Cruz or my Patreon group. My next Patreon Zoom will be talking about this episode, The Reconstruction. You can follow Without Warning on Instagram at Without Warning PI. You can follow us on Twitter at Scrappy Mom PI. And on YouTube, we are Without Warning by Sheila Wysocki. In every case, there is someone in the community who holds information that may be significant in solving a case. Relationships change over time, and many cold cases are solved when a former witness, friend, or relative is located who is tired of hiding information and shares that information with investigators. If you have any information about this case, please contact our voicemail comment line at 888-599-0008. You can leave an anonymous tip or you can leave your contact information. We will call you back and speak with you directly. You can also email information to Sheila at SheilaWysocki.com. Without warning, executive director, executive producer, and host Sheila Wysocki. Announcer, Tim Evans.